So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, home as you are. There's hope for the hopeless, for all those who stray. Come sit at the table, come taste the
Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. We're going to do something uh, a little different this week. Um, can you hear me out there all right? Let's check. All right. We're actually going to end um, last week's message now. Uh, last week, we, 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 we got a twofer. We talked about the, uh, the leper who was cleansed, and we talked about the paralytic who was forgiven and then healed. Um, and we were going to play this song last week. Um, and so just to reiterate, just in a few sentences, there's this man on a mat that's brought before Jesus. And um, he comes there, and along with everybody just at the time was coming to Jesus for healing and help. No one was coming to him for forgiveness. But that is by far the largest healing that we can receive um, in a world that's infected and affected by sin. And um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to uh, sing a few refrains from a very short song just to kind of establish our heart in the right position. And then um, and then we'll begin this Sunday. So we're going to end last week now. If you would like to stand with us. the grace to forgive when we have been sinned against. Restore us, renew us again, and give us the meekness to heal, and give us the mercy to mend. Forgive us all our sins. As we ourselves
Thank you for the forgiveness that you came and that you accomplished and that you bought. You didn't need forgiveness and you offer it to all of us. So thank you for also healing us. You help us with our deepest, our deepest problem. And you bring us peace with God. And if we're going to have peace with anything in the Bible, we need to have peace with the God of the Bible. So thank you for forgiveness. Help us today, bring us into a right state of mind, sanctify your word in our hearing and in our speaking and in our fellowship. Thank you. And now we sing about your amazing grace that does, that accomplishes all that we can't. And we do so with rejoicing on our heart. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Salvation, 
Obviously, I'm scratching, so maybe we can adjust this a little bit. Pardon me for just a second. We've worked really hard on our sound, our video, our online, and everything like that, and it's really two steps forward and three back, sometimes three steps forward and two back, but we're moving forward. There we go. That help? Sound kind of echoey now? Am I inside an oil drum talking to you guys? Well, uh, hopefully, as uh, we're gathering today, both uh, in, uh, in the physical presence of one another and in online, uh, that um, we can anticipate that God is going to be with us in His Spirit. He's going to speak to our hearts wherever we're at, and He's going to help us along the way. And that's one of the reasons why we gather for worship, uh, but there are so many others, and I think... Um, uh, one of them is just to celebrate some things. Uh, so I'll mention a couple. Uh, one is, um, I don't know if the Niederheisers are here, but um, you guys had some pretty, I would say, spectacular news uh, this, uh, this weekend. Uh, we had um, an addition to your family, Silas Oliver, uh, um, Jared and Erica have a newborn baby boy. So... I'm sure Denny's got plans uh, for how this is going to work out. I can just see the wheels turning already, uh, so that's pretty cool. 
And uh, it was interesting because uh, Lisa was kind of keeping me updated on everything. And, and of course, Erica went in on Friday. And it, it took a while for Silas to say, I guess it's time to come out now. And uh, so here he is. And uh, there was a little bit of a, a worry that um, she was going to have to go in for a procedure. And you were reading the devotional guide uh, for Lent. And it was on the names of God and uh, as she was getting prepped to go into, um, uh, into the, uh, the room to be operated on, uh, you read about God the Deliverer. And then all of a sudden, uh, things started working out the way they needed to work out. So I, I know God's a Deliverer in a lot of different ways. That's a new one for me. Uh, but you know what? God is always full of surprises. And that's the one thing we can count on is that... Um, uh, no matter what we think about what God can and can't do, uh, there's always that thing that he can do that we never imagined was possible. And I don't know about you, but that really is the basis for my hope as I look at what we've been through in the last year and all of the challenges that we faced. And you think I'm doing the, the math and writing out the equation and I'm saying things don't add up the way I, you know, I hope that they would, but yet... As followers of Jesus, uh, there is that game changer, that wild card, that, that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that changes everything. And it is that reality that we not only celebrate, anticipate, and hope in, uh, but it's the thing that carries us along the way. Um, one thing I wanted to mention just real briefly uh, was that yesterday was my wife's birthday, uh, so I just, I just wanted to underscore that because she's corrected me and said it's her birth month. And um, I'm like, have you been hanging out with Brittany? Because Brittany does that too. She's like, yeah, I tell Dan, this is my birth month. Birth, birth month. And um, he bought it and now I'm like, great. So um, we're celebrating some things and, and it's just good to be alive. Good to be in church. Uh, before we get into the message, uh, let's go ahead and dismiss kids if we need to dismiss any kids. If that's already been taken care of, uh, then let's go ahead and pray, shall we? Father, we don't want to leave anything to chance uh, because we know it's the spirit of independence that causes us to push away from you. And it is the attitude of dependence that causes us to draw close, especially when we see our lack. And Father, we know that there is a gap between where we are and where you are. And it is that grace and that grace alone that fills that gap and pulls us closer to you. So I pray for our people today as we gather to hear your word, uh, whether it is uh, here in the body or in the spirit uh, online, we ask that your Holy Spirit would work in each of us according to your will and your purpose. And we thank you, Father, that you are in the business of working all things together for good, uh, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And we just want to align with that right now. And Father, as we go into uh, the message, we pray that you would just speak in whatever way we need to hear your word in our own personal circumstances and how we need to hear your word as a church body. Uh, so we, we seek your blessing in that way. And as we just kind of tune our hearts to your spirit, um, 
Help us to pray the Lord's Prayer as, um, as we do that. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I mentioned uh, just a minute ago that it was my wife's uh, birthday yesterday, and she got up, and uh, she does her workout in the morning, and on her way to go to the workout, she forgot a couple of things because she was on the phone with our son in the Republic of Georgia who had the nerve to not only move away, but move away to a place where the time zone is so different that it's not always convenient. So she's a little bit distracted by that, that phone call, which was really a wonderful thing. Um, and, and, and as she pulled out, she just left the garage door open, not thinking anything of it. Well, we have uh, actually three kids and a dog, which means we have four kids. And there is, uh, there's always been sort of this gap between where they are and where they need to be. And, and for the most part, um, you know, we, we've got them going in, in, in good directions, uh, except for the fourth child, who seems to be really obstinate when it comes to learning about the garage because sometimes we'll put our bags of trash just out there and um and and they don't make it into the into the can and that just happened uh yesterday and i let the dog out after she left and she um uh, came in right after that and said um the dog got into the trash it's strewn all over the yard this birthday is not going very well and I thought, well, I got to, she needs an intervention. Uh, so um, took care of the dog, had a, I gave him a sermon and uh, gave him a bath and just cleaned him up really good. Uh, but there was still a little bit of a gap there between her affection towards him and uh, his attitude towards things that he shouldn't be doing. And in so many ways, it's just an illustration of how our life with God works, I believe. Uh, that is, uh, when we read the scripture, we find that, that that huge gap between ourselves and the Lord and how it is that he wants to come into our lives and how it is that there are things in our lives that keep that from happening. And just naming and identifying those things uh, is helpful enough, but uh, we find that when we put Jesus in the middle of the equation, we discover there's a whole new level of relating to God that we never imagined. And when we read this uh, passage of scripture that we're about to look at in the book of Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 27, and going to take a peek at uh, verses 27 to 32, there are things in this story that just jump out at, uh, at, at myself anyway in, in, in a couple of different directions, and I hope that they do the same for you. Um, but uh, as, uh, as, we, as we turn to that passage of Scripture, um, we've been going through a series of encounters that Jesus has had with people that are very broken. And the lives that he interacts with are lives that have been shut out from the community. Some of them not allowed to go to church because they are unclean. Or in this case, there is a guy who couldn't go to church at all, and it wasn't because he was unclean but it was because of what his job was. 
So let's discover what that is, and maybe we can relate to a few things here. Uh, so here, here we go. Uh, Luke writes, after, after this, uh, that is the encounter that he just had that we talked about last week, and, and Rich mentioned this morning uh, about uh, being carried on the mat. After, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector. Okay, now there's already a trigger word, right? Um, I mean, especially if you're looking at April 15th and saying, yeah, I gotta, oh yeah, I got to get those done. Or if you're like uh, our friend Luke or uh, Roger um, and, and others that are working in the office there with him, Wendy, um, it is like, yeah, we can't wait. But it is a very loaded term. And it was so loaded that in the day of, of the writing of this, of this book, uh, when you said tax collector in Hebrew, it actually was, had a double meaning. It meant oppression and injustice. So you can see the flavor of what's going on here. So there's a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth collecting um, all of the revenues that uh, he was assigned to collect. And uh, maybe that's the IRS just jumping in on my channel saying, be careful, navigate this one cautiously. Well, so he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything he had, he rose up and he followed him. Now, this is interesting because uh, there is not much going on here other than we see a few clues in the text. One is there's a guy named Levi, which means he's Jewish. He's a tax collector, which means that he's a traitor. And Jesus shows up looks at him and says, follow me, and he gets up. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, if you were a tax collector and if you were a really good one, you could make a lot of money. You see, the Roman government needed cash because they had a lot of projects. They had a lot of military armaments that they had to buy, and they had an expansion program uh, in place where they're basically wanting to take over the world. And so they would try to find money at every possible turn that they could, and they set their eyes on this small Jewish enclave compared to everything else that they had, and they said, yeah, we want theirs as well. And the way that they would do it is they would, they would solicit people from within the Jewish nation, and they would say, would you like to come to a seminar at this hotel room? And we can give you an opportunity you will not regret. And so, you know, people would come and they would hear the spiel. And it would obviously be uh, a pitch by the Roman government saying, we would like to hire you for our team to collect money from your own people. Well, obviously, that doesn't have too much appeal because it means instantly you're socially an outcast. But... This is how it worked. Let's say that you were assigned a region, uh, maybe a small town or a village or a township, and there were a thousand people. And you could make the equivalent or you, the, the tax potential within that thousand people. Let's just make it kind of a, a real dollar figure that we're familiar with. A million dollars, okay? Uh, we need you to collect a million dollars from that township. And anything over and above that you can keep for yourself. So there were bidding wars that happened by people that would say, 
I want that contract. And eventually a person would win it. And whatever money that they could make on top of the million that they needed to send off to, to Rome, they could put in their pocket. Buy a house, you could do a Mediterranean vacation, you could do a number of things with that. And so there, there was, you know, groups of people that said, sign me up. And Levi happened to be one of them. But the cost was pretty great because essentially the synagogue rulers said, you are not allowed ever to darken the door of this facility. Go away. You're a traitor. You are a collaborator with the oppressors. We don't like you. So the bar had been set. And Jesus is looking at all the people that have been shut out, and there's this one category of person, and he chooses him. Now, Levi actually is Matthew, uh, which is Levi, I think, is his Hebrew name, and Matthew is the Aramaic name. And Matthew actually wrote the Gospel of Matthew, which if you've ever read the Gospel of Matthew, it's a very powerful book. Uh, but this is where he gets started, just taking people's money and living large. Yet, you have to wonder, don't you, what was going on in his heart that said, I'm in a position where I'm, I, I would give all of that up because I'm missing something and I can't find it anywhere. Yet what I see Jesus bringing into the lives of the people around me, the joy that they discover, that sense of peace with God that I certainly don't have, that, that longing for things to be made right both inside and out, and perhaps the thing that drove him to be a tax collector was he was, maybe he was cynical about God and things getting right and about the whole plan that we read about in Scripture going all the way back to Abraham. We really don't know his story other than he had just basically said, it's not worth it. I'll just take the money and run. But Jesus presented something that he had never seen before. It was a combination of things that no one else was able to offer. And I want to explore that combination of things in these next verses. Because here Levi is now just excited beyond all get out. He is completely bought in. And he's aware that the gap between himself and where he needs to be could possibly close with this newfound friendship that he has with Jesus. And he's so excited about the possibility of that happening that he just can't contain it. It's, it's, it's contagious. And so Levi decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw a party. And it's all going to be happening at my place. And so he went and invited all of his friends. And let me just say, have you ever heard the Garth Brooks song, I've Got Friends in Low Places? That's pretty much what we're looking at right here. Because uh, he really couldn't, couldn't, couldn't just get uh, standard, hardworking, everyday professional people to come over. It was just a mixed bag of humanity. Yet, 
He said, I want you guys to come over here, and I want you guys to, to, to be at my party. Because that's what it is, essentially. It's, it's called a banquet in some scriptures, but it's a party. And why do you go to a party? You go to a party to socialize. A lot of times you go to a party because it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's where you can let your guard down, and you can just you can relax, and, and you don't have to be caught up in all of the drama and the stress of the everyday. You can just be around people and have a good time and feel accepted. And Matthew wanted to, or Levi rather, wanted to set that up. And as he did, um, there's another group of people that are in this storyline that we haven't talked about, and that's the Pharisees who last week we discovered they were coming from all over Judea and all over Galilee, and they were saying, Jesus is really tearing it up, and we're not so sure that he's getting it right, and so we need to we need to look into this. And the Pharisees are kind of an interesting bunch of people, and part of my heart goes out to them. I know they've gotten a pretty negative uh, rap as far as when we read about them in Scripture. It's, it is overwhelmingly negative. But their desire is for things to come right in their nation. They don't like the politics of how they've, how they've kind of played out. They don't like how the Romans now and before them the Greeks and then before them uh, the Medes and the Persians and all of these countries that have come in and put their boot heel on their necks and said this is how it's going to happen. The Pharisees honestly felt like if people would just get right with the Lord by being clean ritually, being pure, doing everything perfectly by the letter, God would come back our nation's glory would return, and life would be good. I mean, I can't argue with that because I feel like that that's well-intentioned for sure. But what happened was they got to be such a voice within society that um, if you didn't do it their way, it was punitive. Like their blend of religion and politics and the way you should li live, very narrowly defined. And basically, people looked at him at first and said, we like what you're doing, but whenever they said, hey, you're cooking the toast on the wrong side, you need to sort that out. Hey, your dog is barking too loud. Hey, you're going to movies and chewing gum at the same time, and some of you are chewing tobacco. Hey, we don't like the way you're dressed. And on and on it goes. And Jesus is like, they are completely distorting the reason behind the law. And Matthew does talk about this whenever he chronicles the Sermon on the Mount, the sort of the giving of the law uh, 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 reset. And as he does that, Jesus comes out swinging. He said, blessed are you if you do this. Blessed are you if you do this. Blessed are you if you do that. Essentially, everything the Pharisees wanted, and Jesus said, this is actually the pathway to do it. And then he goes on to say, you have heard it said, um, an eye for an eye. You have heard it said, uh, do not look at a woman lustfully. You have heard it said, do not covet other people's things. Um, and in the way that the Pharisees have said it. Then he goes on to say, but I tell you, 
And what, is, what Jesus is essentially doing is he's taking the Pharisaic um, filter that has been placed upon everybody in the culture with all of its rigid policies and rules and regulations and just a lot of things were, that were way out of line. And Jesus is saying, let's get back to what this is all about to begin with. This is about putting people right with God, and this is about taking those individuals that are now reconnected with God and turning them loose on the world to share the good news because God's goal has always been to bless all the way back to Abraham. But he's not able to do that when we have things that get in the way. So these guys are a little bit at odds with Jesus because he has a way of defining what it means to follow God. It's very different than the way Jesus is prescribing. And so we read, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled. Luke's very intentional about this because if you read that word grumble in the scripture, it's not a nice uh, scenario that surrounds each usage. Generally, it harkens back to grumbling in the wilderness when God delivered the people out of Egypt. Well, as Jesus is doing ministry, these guys are saying, that's not how you do it. That ain't the way you're supposed to do it. And it is, it is, is a conflict getting ready to happen. There is something escalating here that's going to come to a head. And it really isn't because these guys don't love God. It's because of the way that they're loving God that completely misses the point. Have you ever heard the saying, you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? And you, you realize that as we get older, it's harder and harder for us. And I include myself in that. I'm 58, so I'm not like, you know, Nigel, who's only 10 and should know better. Um, I've learned a lot. I got my scars. Um, but a lot of times I find God is saying, yeah, you got more to learn, Leonard. There's some more things that you need to unlearn and relearn. I, I heard this story this week uh, about this company in Los Angeles, California, that their primary job is to go into the backyards of people's uh, um, property and remove their pools. But if you've ever been to California, you know that everybody lives on a postage stamp. Uh, and if you have a pool that needs to be removed, you cannot get heavy equipment back there to do anything about it. You just have to use wheelbarrows and a lot of them and a lot of people to, to fill them in or take them out. This company, however, bought skid steers. I don't know if you know what those are, like little bobcats that are 36 inches wide. And they basically go into these properties. They just go down the sidewalk, they grab the dirt, and they haul it back, and they and they basically either remove the pool or, and all the stuff there, or they fill it in. And they'll make 200 trips on these bobcats. And it's amazing if you watch it. You're like, wow, this is, and it's so fascinating that it caught on, and then their business just exploded. But the point I'm trying to make is they hired initially people that had driven bobcats for years and knew how to do it, and they would last about two weeks. And then after that, they'd be gone because they would say, yeah, that's not how you're supposed to do it. 
And the company owners were like, well, we have a system, we have a way of doing it, and these guys are not able to learn it in the way that we need them to learn it in order for us to get the job done to satisfy the client. Then they'd hire these young people, not much different in age than the 12 apostles. And they'd say, we want to show you the fundamentals of how you reclaim property and dispose of pools. That's all we're here to do. That's all you need to know. They're like, sign me up. And they, they would train. They would tip them over in the skid steers upside down, and they'd say, well, that's going to happen, so get used to it. And they'd do things that would kind of equip them. And then they were good to go. But the point being, they didn't have to unlearn a whole bunch of stuff to relearn what they needed to know. They just said, we don't know. And Levi and all of these people that are gathering in this banquet, they really don't know because the religious establishment has said, we have a bar for coming to church, and you guys are, well, you don't make the cut. So here they are partying, and Levi said, finally, there is a voice that explains to us what it's all about and gives us hope. And I love that because Levi has recognized something in his own heart. And I think you and I have to pay attention to this. There is a gap between where each of us are and where the Lord is. And some of us see it and want to do something about it. Some of us aren't even aware that there's a problem. And when Jesus entered into the world of the people that he wanted to bring the good news to, those were the two kinds of people. And the Pharisees thought, we have it all mapped out. We're pretty content with the system that we've put in place. And we're not picking up what you're putting down, Jesus. But Levi wasn't going to be deterred by that. He said, I'm throwing a party because there is not only a gap in my heart, but there's a gap in their heart, and I want them firsthand to be able to experience the reality and the love of Jesus in ways that they perhaps have never even considered when it comes to the things of God. And maybe you have been in that place where you have thought, I can't go to church or the the ceiling is going to collapse in. The lightning bolts are going to come down. People are going to be judgmental. They're going to be critical. They're going to be offended by what it is that I'm wearing or how it is that I'm carrying myself. I don't think so. But Jesus actually has a dilemma here because he shows up at the party. All the friends in low places show up at the party. And so do the Pharisees. And they're taking notes. And Jesus respects the law. And he doesn't respect the way that their policies have defined what the law means. And he's challenging that. And the law basically says, you're in questionable area here, Jesus. And because these guys are sinners. And you're hanging out with them. And you're going to get corrupted like them. And you're sending a bad signal. And then Jesus has the option as well to, you know, just leave and say, okay, you're right. Or he can say, grace, just grace, we don't worry about it. Not worrying about the law, not worrying about the rules, not worrying about any of that stuff. But Jesus is trying to honor both the truth 
and the need that people have for grace. Because I think that gap between ourselves, yourself, myself, and the Lord, where we fall short, we read about in Scripture plenty of times by the Apostle Paul, where we fall short, the only thing that can fill that gap is the grace of Jesus. That's the only thing that can fill it. And we read these verses, for example, in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, let's just pull that up for a second, shall we? I like how Paul comments on, on this episode. He said, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises of God God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And that whole chapter so beautifully describes, I think, the one thing that the Bible is all about. And that is God trying to bring people home. God trying to get back into that connection that he lost in the garden with you and I. I think that's what the Bible clearly is trying to say as you read through it and all of its interesting twists and turns, essentially, it does end. I did a funeral a couple of days ago, and I read Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses 5 and 6, and it says, the dwelling place of God is with men and men with God. And the old shall pass and the new shall come. There will be no more weeping, no tears, no evil, no death. Everything that represents our brokenness in this life, it's all resolved. It's sorted out. It's the goal. And Jesus is the one who made that possible. But let's just look at this from the standpoint of his dilemma. Because Jesus, John says, came filled with grace and with truth. And I just want to, I, I want to comment on the moment that you and I are in right now. Because I think there have been gaps that have been created in this last year. And pastorally, it's been very frustrating. It's been very personally frustrating as well because there's no, no script for how you go through a pandemic, let alone how you lead a church through a pandemic. Uh, it's a confusing moment. It's definitely unsettling. And it really is one of the reasons why we're drilling down into this. And the thing that we have to remember is that God is in the business of working things together for good. And we can't forget that. And God's looking at this whole pandemic through a set of eyes that are far different than what the news media is going to say. God is saying, I'm doing a good work here. I'm churning it up. I am allowing people to go through this test, even as the devil has created it, so that they can come close to me. Because sometimes there's just stuff that gets in the way. Now, my son bought the property next door to us, and he's assigned me to the task of cleaning it up. You know what I discovered? When you till things up, there's a lot of stuff inside the ground. 
tell you what I found so far. Not all of it. I found barbed wire, found broken glass, I found a shirt, I found Christmas ornaments, I found car parts, I found a coin, and I just collected all of this stuff, and the more I sort of cleaned up the ground, the more this stuff came to the surface, and I feel like calling Christian and saying, there's too much stuff in there, I can't do it anymore. I'll be all the way to, uh, to China by the time I get done tilling up all the stuff that is inside the ground here. And this is really the point. Because Jesus knows stuff needs to be churned up. It's been happening since John was in the desert preaching repentance. He's saying, I'm going to stir it up. You're not going to like it. Matter of fact, the truth is going to make you very angry, but then it will set you free. And Jesus is trying to do that here in ways that are mind-boggling. The Pharisees said, we've had enough, Jesus. Push the pause button because what you're doing is unacceptable. It's beyond the pale. It's beyond the stake. It's not acceptable for you to do what you're doing. And we're getting a little angry about this, and we're going to call you out on this. You know what Jesus said? It's not, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick that need a physician. And you read that, and you think about it, and you're like, well, that makes sense. But let me just drive it home a little bit farther. So I go to the doctor's office, and my healthcare professional's whole training is centered on identifying what's wrong with me and hopefully finding a way to get healthy again. So the intake nurse will ask you a lot of questions and the last question will be, are you feeling healthy or are you feeling sick? And you could answer that as, well, I feel pretty healthy. Or if you say, I feel pretty sick and here's why, what if they just said, oh no, 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 no. If you're, if you're not healthy, then you need to go home because we're only here for healthy people. I mean, could you imagine? Oh, I guess, hmm, yeah. I'll get better, then I'll come back, and then maybe the doctor will let me in. I got to think that when Jesus said this, the Pharisees are like, oh, yeah, yeah. The only way that you're ever going to be a person who can close the gap for other people is you got to be with them. Now, there's some people that you shouldn't hang around with, don't get me wrong, because they'll, they'll suck you into a place that maybe you can't get out. There are other people that just are looking, and they're seeking, and they're asking. My, I was working on digging up artifacts in Christian's yard and I was working on an implement on the back of the tractor and I heard a voice and I'm like, oh, the Lord. And then, because nobody else is out there. And, and it was my neighbor and he came up and he, asked, he was asking me questions and pretty soon we got off on religion and faith and he said, yeah, I grew up Catholic but I'm not really committed. I don't really know much about the Lord. I don't know much about church. I don't know any of that stuff. I'm interested in learning about it. And I'm like, Wow. I said, I'll be down, and we'll chat. 
I mean, he just put it on a silver platter right in front of me right there. I, he was looking for more than just um, conversation. And I have to think sometimes we're too busy trying to be heard than to hear. And so maybe there's a couple of things we need to look at as I end this message. And uh, when we're looking at the gaps in the lives of other people, I think it does involve a lot of understanding and a lot of empathy, first of all. Stephen Co Covey wrote a book called uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and in it he says, right out of the gate, first seek to understand, then to be understood. And I don't know that you can go much farther than that when you look at what Jesus is doing here. He's rubbing shoulders with them, but a lot of times people have a lot of pain right underneath the surface. And sometimes our response is, like the Pharisees, it's kind of being judgmental, like you need to step it up, step up your game. And it's kind of like telling a person who's down in a pit, uh, just climb out. And maybe giving them a pep talk or something like that. And I, li I like what Brene Brown said about the pit because she said, when you know somebody that's in that space where they are really hurting, and it's just right below the surface, it's easy for us to just tell them platitudes. She said, just get down in the pit with them for a little while. Don't give them answers because some of us like to solve problems. Just listen and maybe pray and ask Jesus to come alive in the moment. Second thing, and this maybe hits closer to home for you guys. It does for me. We need to close the gap by not being so easily offended. Because clearly these people were offended. Jesus had, well, he had triggered them. And how easily do we get triggered nowadays? Have you ever heard of fight or flight? It basically means this, you're so fearful, you're so anxious, you're so feeling out of control that you have two responses and there's a part of your brain that all of your blood goes to and it basically says run or it says fight and it's tunnel vision and I have to say our culture is in that place. Our world is in that place right now. Fight or flight is definitely like that coiled spring waiting to be unsprung in people's lives. And the gospel really is the only answer here. So why? Why, why are we wound so tight? Maybe this is the reason. I, I'm not a genius, but here, here's my guess. Let's say we had a global pandemic and it triggered a national lockdown. And then alongside that came an economic meltdown. And then the kids are sent home to do e-learning. And then after that, of course, we're working from home as well. There are riots happening on the news. We're in the middle of an election year. Our vacation got canceled. And now I'm stuck at home reading all these crazy posts on social media. 
I'm not fearful. I'm not anxious. I'm not worried. I'm not unsettled. But I'm about to kill somebody. So don't say the wrong word or you might be it. Am I right? I mean, we have to deactivate that, people. And that's why we need to come to church. Because we need church as church brings us to the feet of Jesus every week. We need a new habit. We need a new rhythm. We need to be equipped to be able to manage what I would describe as a different world. And Jesus came filled with grace and truth. Essentially, it means he knew when to put the truth into place. And he also knew when to press in on grace. And basically, it goes like this. If you are in a position where you are willing to listen, I mean really listen, I mean be real, because you are hurting inside. And you need help, and you will own that. Jesus is like, I'm on it. Ten t- a million times out of a million times, I am on it. But if you get too settled in your way, in that you can't teach me how to do it, I can't figure it out because I know the math, I've done the equation. The equation is kind of like this. I get angry, I jump to conclusions, then I think someone has the worst of intentions, including you, God. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, that is not the path. And God settled all that for us in a way that I think helps us to get a hold of ourselves a little bit. Levi's like, I got lots of money, but I'm dying inside. I need help. And the Pharisees are like, we got lots of rules, and people are breaking them left and right. We need more Pharisees. And Jesus looks at the lives of these broken people, and he looks at you and I, and he says, I love you more than you will ever know. I want you to be with the Father forever. I want you to experience joy and peace like you've never experienced. I want you to be a part of a community of people that love before they think about you got to get it right. That ask questions before they weigh in. Because God's going to till up the soil of our hearts. And it's not going to be fun. And we're not always going to be nice people. And Jesus says, you got to be aware of that. Because I'm doing a work in everybody right now. This is the Lord's moment, by the way. God is doing something right now. And we as believers have to pay attention to what is going on in here and what is going on in here. And we just have to ask a simple question. Are we getting in the way of getting it done in our own lives 
Are we getting in the way of getting it done for our mission as a church? That's a hard question. It's one I'm willing to ask, but I can't always say that I'm always willing to submit. But I can only imagine when Levi saw the love of Jesus in his eyes towards him, it's like I can't, I can't deny that. Mandy was kind of punitive to Nigel, and it's sort of a good cop, bad cop in our house, and unfortunately she's been assigned the bad cop role. Nigel's just looking at me like, are we ever going to go for walks again? Are you ever going to pet me again? I know mom's mad. I'm just looking at him, and I'm like, yes. And she says, I, you know, she says, okay. She's coming around too, but it's a little slower. Um, but we need that person to manage ADHD people like myself and my dog. So I get it. But God is taking this to a whole new level. And I just want to give you two scriptures as I end the message. Because we're trying to close the gap here, not only with ourselves, but with our friends. And these two scriptures are what we find in Colossians and Proverbs. Colossians 5 says this, and I would encourage you to write this down. Maybe put it in your shirt pocket. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's a way of just stepping back and saying, help me to have the right posture towards this conversation because I do want it to go well. And then Proverbs 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger. It is his glory to overlook an offense. And when he does, he sees on the other side of it a bloodstained cross. And he pulls us towards that cross. And he says, I'm going to till it up. And I want you to take that car part and that broken Christmas ornament and that coin and that broken glass and that garbage and that sin and all of that stuff that you have hardened your heart against me with. And I want you to place it on that, on that cross and leave it there. Well, as we go through this message series, it's going to culminate, I think, very powerfully but just keep in mind these two people, and maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. And I just want to end with a word of prayer and ask God to do a good work in our lives as he's doing in the lives of the people that we're reading about. Would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, we understand that as you have come into our world, you have a very different posture about how you approach us. It is through the eyes of love and a heart that wants to redeem, deliver, to heal, to put right. And Father, I just pray for everyone in this room who has heard what's been spoken. And if you are tilling things to the surface that we need to pick up and hand to you, I pray that you would help each of us to do that. And maybe for the first time, 
you are saying to one of us or a few of us in the room or those online, hey, follow me. Hey, follow me. And I would just ask that you give us the wherewithal to say, yes, Lord, I will follow. And to begin that journey to know a hope that the world just cannot articulate at all. To have a confidence about life and where it's going. To look at the people around us, not through threatening eyes, but through eyes of love. Father, I just pray that if there's anyone who needs to put it all aside and get up and walk into your family, I pray, Father, that you just help whoever needs to do that right now. That you would work in their hearts to show them the way and that you would use us, Lord, as your servants to listen, hear, help and to just bring us to that place of repentance so that we can know the filling of your truth and your joy. Father, I just pray that for our people and for each of us. Lord, we're getting ready to celebrate the new covenant, which is very much where Jesus went with the Pharisees on this in the next verses. And as he does, he shows us that he has provided a way. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus. That when we look at the loaf and we see a broken body on a bloodstained cross, we know that that was for me. And when we see the blood that is being poured out for the forgiveness of many, that I'm also one of the many that you've included in that forgiveness. And so we just give it to you, Lord, whatever you've tilled up as we meet around your table. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Church. We're so glad that you could make it here this Sunday. The FCC views are inviting us to a Palm Sunday prayer walk. The event will be held between 4 and 6 p.m., so you can go at any time between then. There's no cost and there's no sign-up, so if you have any further questions, please contact Matt Cutler. We would love to invite you to our Easter Sunday service April 4th at 9 a.m. Following the service, we will be having a breakfast in Fellowship Hall with family activities and a chance to reconnect. 
A new Bible study will begin April 1st at 7 p.m. and it will be held on Zoom. The group will be reading the book, Fascinating Bible Studies on Every Parable. If you're interested in joining, please contact Amy Hetrick. That's all the announcements for today. Enjoy the service. All right. If you'd like to stand, we will worship uh, our way out of here and into the world. Multiplied our faith. Wisdom of your ways, the currents of your grace express every moment, every way. In the longing of our souls, in the darkness where we go. Where we go, you are there. 
soon we're going to talk about all this and more and digging deeper if you want to stay after and uh go get your kiddos we'll see you soon 